When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, guys? It's Jared from the Corner Booth. Do you like living balls out? Oh, boy, do I have a spot for you. Over 200,000 customers happily agree Ballsy is the best place for men's grooming products for your man area. Free of BS chemicals like paraben and sulfate made right here in the U.S. of A. Go to Ballsy.com, use promo code BELLYUPSPORTS, all capitals. Ballsy is an official sponsor of the Corner Booth Podcast and Belly Up Sports. You are now in the Corner Booth Podcast, a sports podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here is your host, Jared Clinton. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Corner Booth Podcast. I am your host, Jared Clinton, alongside my loyal intern, Mr. Samir, and my right-hand man, host of the Tailgate on the Quad Pod, Mr. Kevin. Boys, we got part two of our draft for you today, defensive players, plus two pass catchers on the market, and NFL tackle gets dealt, plus the MLB sucks once again. Boys, how are we doing on this fine Tuesday? I'm doing great. I got like three hours of sleep. Is that a good thing? You're saying that like you were like, oh, I got three hours of sleep. No, it's not good. Right. What are you doing? But you're, somehow you're feeling great. Are we up socializing? Like, yeah. Well, boy. I'm fair enough. I, mean, I knocked the hell out at midnight. Um, a little stowaway in the studio today. My uh, cat, Ghost, is making his first corner booth appearance. And he's trying to figure out how to sit on my chair right now. Um, first off, boys, first pass catcher in the news. This true news dropped, I think, yes, late yesterday, early this morning. Julio Jones on the market. Uh, a couple teams I heard, of course, was uh, New England, Baltimore, um, Oakland, among others. I'm in Las Vegas. What do you guys think Julio's market is? Like Atlanta finally actually going to deal him, or is this just the 14th year in a row they're going to say they're going to deal him? I don't know. I, don't I feel know. like if they're keeping Matt Ryan, then that's like kind of a tell for Julio. I don't know if they'll trade. I don't know if they'll trade Julio without getting rid of Matt Ryan and blowing it up. It, I, to me, it feels like one of those rumor swirls, to be quite honest. I mean, they could also still take a quarterback at four. Right. Yeah, I think the Kyle Trask rumors have started to die a little bit with that. Because they, 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 I don't even think he, they, I think they were at his pro day, but I don't think they interviewed him. Or at least they didn't talk about it. Well, who would? I mean, except you're the rest of the Cowboys. Mike Florio, the king of baseless accusations, 
said that Julio Jones the last couple of years has become a headache for the Falcons because he's hanging out with rich people. So he hmm. wants to be rich. And if they don't find a trade partner, they're going to cut him June 2nd. Because he's hanging out with rich people, he's become a pain. Yeah, because he wants to be rich. That's why he wanted such a big contract, which is absurd. I mean, I guess. Like, no. How do you know? This is the same guy who said Julian Edelman retired so he could take steroids and then unretire in a year. Hmm. Interesting. NFL reporting may be the most diverse in terms of intelligence, literacy, and fact level I've ever seen in any sport. You've got guys firing off baseless shots. You've got guys who actually are accurate. You've got more rumors than you know what to do with. NFL reporting to me, at least on Twitter, is hysterical. Oh, Mike Florio did not say this was a rumor. He said this is something that he's known for years. Oh, he's known it. So he's kind of like a Socrates kind of figure. Pretty much. (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) I don't know. I I think that um, it's kind of hard to gauge uh, Julio's value also at this point because, you know, when he's on the field, the guy's dominant. But, you know, when is he on the field and how long, you know, will he remain at that caliber? And because I think he'll be uh, dominant or at the very least great as long as he's playing. It's just a matter of how long he's playing and, you know, if a contender is willing to take that risk, which I think uh, I think the most likely destination will be a contender because they can be like, all right, take the week off. You know, if you're not feeling great, you know, we could save you for the playoffs. What's the use of sending him to a team that's, you know, not going to necessarily need him, you know. So I think maybe Vegas. Vegas could be a good destination. We're going all in on the Raiders this year. And also, Kevin, I think it's a perfect time to plug some merch. Free Julio, buy a shirt. Yeah. True. Yeah, I mean, Vegas is one of the rumored teams. Also, if for some reason these accusations are true, I mean, John Gruden doesn't care. Antonio right. Brown was a headache by the time he was done in Pittsburgh. But I can also still see New England. They've wanted a good receiver for year or a great receiver for years. Uh, Julio will elevate any quarterback he's with if they can get him the ball. So I can see Julio to New England. For sure, I can see that as But well. also, any team should want him, contender or not, because they're saying it's going to take a second rounder next year because the trade would happen after the draft to save money for the Falcons. Yeah. Yeah, I saw the big, like, I think after June 2nd, I think it's $23 million in cap they save or something like that. Yeah. But if they cut him before June 2nd, it's like $15 million cap hit. So I don't know. I don't know how it's structured that way. NFL finances are really confusing. Audience, I hope you know that. It's all backloaded contracts. That's really what it comes down to. Pretty much. All right, another one to the news. A headache for my favorite organization. Arguably, at one point, it was one of the better tight ends in the league. Been rumored to be traded for the last almost year and a half now. Was almost dealt twice the deadline. Zach Ertz. Word has come out. This will be officially his last week as an Eagle. There is like a zero, apparently according to multiple sources, there is a almost 0% chance he's wearing Eagles green by the end of the week. So he's one of the players apparently how, because there's a lot of talk apparently about the Eagles moving up in the draft again. No sense. After they traded back. (laughs) Oh, this is awesome. 
Yeah, they got to take quarterback. <laughs> but yeah, Zachary's open competition. There's apparently a few teams that want to work, see if they can work him in with their draft trade, along with uh, possibly Andre Dillard was the other name I've heard getting thrown around. Because of the, the emergence of Jordan Mailata, kind of like kind of sealed Dillard's fate. Because mm. Mailata doesn't get hurt and actually can pass block, so. Right. And they have to give up so much, depending on how far they want to move up. Oh, I know. They, I have a feeling like a team who needs a left tackle is going to be like, oh, you can give us Andre Dillard? Okay, we're going to need that, your first rounder, plus Zach Ertz. I don't even know if that would do it. Well, I did see a team like a certain team out in San Diego, or sorry, Los Angeles, who needs a tight end, needs a tackle. I mean, then they can go draft, then they can move back, still go get something on for defense. Or maybe draft a running back. I don't know. The, the Chargers seem like the best trade partner for me. Also, so it's Seattle because, but that, that wouldn't be a draft trade. That'd be like moving back into the first round kind of deal. So the Eagles wouldn't do that. Oh, they don't have a first round pick. No. Aren't, no, aren't the Eagles at twelve? Eagles are at twelve. I'm thinking of partners who would want. I would laugh very hard if the Eagles gave up Andre Dillard, Zach Ertz, and number 12 to move back a spot. That's <laughs> right. The chart right behind them. Holy shit. That'd be amazing. I would literally, like, hate my life. That was like, I've had to make a trade like that in our Madden League before because apparently I can't move out of the first round anymore because I had too many picks. Um, I don't know. It's going to be a really odd draft. I don't know what the hell is going to happen. I'm not even going to try to make predictions. I'm just going to say Earth won't be an eagle by Thursday, by Sunday morning. And um, I don't think Andre Dillard will either. I think Dillard would be more of like a Eagles need to move back up into the first round to go get their second guy. Let's say they take Horn at 12. Let's say they see Rashad Bateman sitting there at 28. Oh, hey, so-and-so, do you want to tackle a tight end and a, a, first, a second rounder plus a fourth? For a year first, great. Also, I feel like we all saw this come. I mean, it's been a long time coming, but uh, I wonder uh, what the team that picks up Ertz is going to do about a contract. I wonder how much money they'll give him because this guy loves his money. And obviously the talent, I believe, is not there anymore to back it up. But if you look back and, you know, you can be like, hey, you know, prior performance, give me some money. I, I don't think it'll happen. But I, I'd just like to see how it played out because I remember training camp last year. Uh, it gave me a good belly laugh seeing him come in and demanding the things he demanded. And it's so funny. My best friend goes to me, he goes, don't you feel bad about Ertz? I'm like, no, he dug his own damn grave. What do you want me to talk, tell you about? Yeah. God, and Goddard is better than him, I believe. <laughs> At this point, Goddard is much better than him. Goddard can block. Goddard is faster. Goddard's yeah. two inches shorter, but can jump high. Can has a higher ball catch radius. The I'm a I would I would laugh so hard if they can't find a trade partner for Zach Ertz because when Cars it was for weeks it was like Cars wants to getting dealt. Cars wants getting dealt. Jared, you're like, no, he's not. There's no chance. And now you're like, they're definitely trading Ertz. I do not want them to trade <laughs> Zach Ertz because that'd be <laughs> the funniest thing. Yeah, I mean they don't. Because they'll get a third for him. They don't want they they are just done. They don't want him in the locker room anymore. Apparently Sirianni didn't even meet with him. <laughs> they just right, went out. Then they'll get a fourth for him. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with a third or fourth because you can trade a couple. We have like seven third rounders this year, or like like we have tons. Just deal a couple, move up. They've got some good players in the third and fourth round. So, yeah. yeah. Alrighty. All right, let's move on. Um, Eric Flowers. Swapping squads, going from the Miami Dolphins to the Washington football team, swapping late-round picks. I, I mean, Eric Flowers kind of found second life in his career switching the guard because they figured out he couldn't move outside. Shout out to Giants fans for all the great laughs that Eric Flowers gave me over the years. Good Lord. I mean, I... I, I um. <laughs> It's an interesting move to me because it's like he he was on Washington, I believe, two years ago or three years ago, then went to d- the Dolphins and now he's back. He was on Miami so, for one year. Yeah, so it's like, uh, so what <laughs> what did they see in that one year? What I mean, he was pretty serviceable, I will say, on the Dolphins, and I I do have a a bit of jealousy on how uh, other teams have been able to get you know the least amount of talent out of him after we burned a first on him. Uh, but a top 10 pick. Oh my God. Oh my God. Number nine. Ridiculous. But I don't know. I think, I think at this point it's like swapping late round picks for like a guy who was a first rounder with the potential to, you know, possibly maybe get better. Uh, if anything, just be a serviceable backup or rotation guy. You know, I don't mind the move and it's just like Eric flowers. Hey man. Welcome back to the NFC East. When you come back, we're going to boo your socks off. I mean, he's going to have some fun going against Lawrence and Josh Sweat and Brandon Graham. <laughs> yeah. It's absolutely smoked. Or, no, he's switching the guard, right? So it's going to be Fletcher Cox and I don't even know who the hell uh, Dallas has inside now and whoever the hell the Giants have inside right now. Who they got? Uh, they have Williams, right? Yeah. Yeah, Leonard Williams. Are, are the Dolphins just going to keep paying guys ridiculous amounts of money? Go, oh, we overpaid this guy, and then trade or cut him? I, I mean, this is I, the second time this offseason. It's you know what's crazy about this is the doll. Everyone was talking about last season the Dolphins were the can't miss team. They were going to win the division, and we're just all like, oh, it doesn't work that way. Oh, they, 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 they can't score points. Oh, oh boy. Like, they, they got all these great players in, in the beginning of free agency and they just didn't do jack shit. So, I, I, I don't know. I mean, we thought they were going to have a loaded running back core with uh, Jordan Howard and Matt Breida. And both – Howard was cut by week six. Breida's out by week two. So, they're on Miles Gaskin and uh, a bunch of other, like, nameless, faceless people that whose names I can't remember. They're probably nameless and faceless in Madden because they don't exist yet in Madden, but – it's it's hysterical. I don't know. It's Salvan Ahmed. He had a good couple games. I, yeah, he actually had a couple good runs. But it's just like because I remember against the he played well pretty well in the Oakland game. But basically, I just I look at Miami. I'm like, oh boy. And it's just because the show. If you win free agency, you don't win the NFL. The uh, you don't win a game off of free agency. Just ask the OA Eagles about that one. I mean, oh, the defense left. did fine. The line wasn't horrendous last year. It wasn't great, but it wasn't horrendous. They just had no one who could catch a ball either. I'm sure if they had good pass catchers, that would have taken pressure off the run game. Probably. I don't know. It's, it's weird. Like, they, they still won a lot of games, but 
it, it was weird. I, I just yeah, it, it, it's just a janky offense that can easily be fixed. And I think, I mean, I think pass catchers is their number one priority. But it was also just like at, at some point it was injuries because it was like you never had the full receiving core out there. Gasicki was hurt a couple games, and then so was uh, 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 Parker, and then uh, Preston Williams can't stay healthy at all. But it's, I'm sure if you had all those weapons going together like week in, week out, then they would start clicking. It was just, I don't know. I mean, Devontae Parker is a fine receiver. Uh, hands aren't incredible. He did drop some easy passes last year, but uh, missed a couple games. Jakeem Grant is just fast. Yeah. He literally just do nothing but return kicks. That's it. If I'll, he could learn I'll, how to catch, he'd be I'll confident. I miss Albert Wilson. That man just used to eat up teams from the slot. Yeah, Albert Wilson was really fun. Just like the and little then, throw hang out the back of his helmet, just flying downfield. You're just like, holy crap, that boy can move. Now thinking about it, it's like, when, what's the last big tip, big ticket weapon the Dolphins have had? Oh, it's been a I mean, Landry, I guess. Jarvis. Yeah, Juice. Shadow, Joe Zinko for two weeks. <laughs> Literally the greatest two weeks of fan, of 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 uh, what's it called of uh, Hard Knocks. <laughs> I never watch Hard Knocks. You guys watch Hard Knocks? So good. Hard Knocks is where I found Darren Waller because they were talking about him a lot, and I started watching like the preseason Oakland preseason games, and I was like, oh my god, this guy's actually really freaking good. So I drafted him way too high uh, in the fantasy draft. He ended up like getting like almost like average like ten points a game for me in my in my fantasy league. I actually ended up winning because of Waller. In my uh, my buddy's league, but uh, yeah, no, I, I, it showed me Darren Waller. Show the first season I watched was um, the Darrell Revis Jets holdout, and then the Browns one was really awkward. I heard and that. My favorite of all time though was the Houston Texans because it showed how much of a boss Hopkins is and the Vince Wilfork under under overall uh, episode. <laughs> I saw it. I was crying. <laughs> I was laughing so hard. I couldn't stop laughing. I was like, this is ridiculous. Vince Wilfork had to be everyone's favorite player for at least a day. Just oh. seeing that big man go. Well, so it was so funny, right? So my buddy, when we're working, he'll always go, all right, all right. And every time <laughs> he says that, I'm thinking, oh, my God, it's Vince Wilford. He'd never seen the clip before. So I pull it up, and I just show him my boy in the back of the truck. He's crying. He can't stop laughing. <laughs> Bill O'Brien's reaction may be the best one, though. He's like, the player's right there. Like, seriously. And he turns around, and he's just like, what the <laughs> And I, it was the short overalls with the with the cowboy boots that's just what made the look complete i wore those to a party once oh that's amazing yeah kev if i throw if i throw like a midsummer bonfire can you come down on those i got rid of the overalls because i figured i'd never wear them again fuck all right i have to get my boy my boy's like jerry you show up to work in a pair of those i'm like bet i can use myself a pair of overalls why not Looking straight. Uh, Fairfield County represents. Him, <laughs> All right, boys. We MLB strikes again for being the most no fun league of no fun leagues. They took the title from the NFL. So on th- on set on Sunday, my Diamondbacks have been one of the hotter teams in baseball. I got to give my boys some credit because you know they're making me happy. They swept the Reds and they come into Atlanta. And on Sunday, Zach Galen throws a one hit shutout. Great, right? 
Then Mad Bum comes in, tosses a damn no-no. But it doesn't count because the MLB sucks. At least give him the no-no and throw a damn asterisk on it. Stupid. I, I don't even think it should have an asterisk. It's an official MLB game. If he gave up 10 home runs in that game, guess what? Those 10 home runs will count against his ERA. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess I guess that's a good point, Kevin. But it's like, I think we should preface it with a seven-inning no-hitter. Or a double-header like no-hitter. So a star next to it. Double-header. Yeah, and- there you go. But I think, yeah, on the Wikipedia page of no-hitters, Madison Baumgartner should be there. I mean, also, can we just talk about the fact that a rough day for the Braves, man? Oof. <laughs> 14 in damn hit. Are you kidding me? God, I don't I know what's going balls. on with that team. They are the uh, weirdest team on the planet. They have Ronald Acuna. That's the only guy producing right now. Yeah. I think yeah. He's the one who and got Freddie Freeman's getting it so unlucky. Freddie Freeman's in like the top, like not like the top one percentile of everything, like uh, you know, exit velocity, uh, average distance of balls hit, stuff like that. You know, spin rate, stuff like that that they uh, oh, calculate. I don't even look at on the hand. Yeah. That's it. And he's just. And he's just absolutely unlucky. His batting average of balls in play is like .83 from like the first couple weeks of the year. So he's just hitting – he's hitting the ball absurdly hard just at people. It, it, it's hysterical. I um, – apparently my boys – I'm just going after the the, the Kraft Brew Sports Boys' teams, man. I sweep Mike's red – my boys sweep Mike's reds. Then they go and take it to Scott's uh, Braves. I'm on a roll right now. Mookie don't watch baseball, so I think I'm safe there. But um, oh, just I, the MLB sucks, man. Like, just mad bum through. I mean, it wasn't a great no-hitter. It was a lot of pop-outs and fly-outs. Eric Heath had to make, like, the catch of the damn year for the Diamondbacks to save a run. But it's, like, it's still a no-hitter by all definition. I mean, that's there's also a lot of plays like that in no-hitters. A lot of no-hitters aren't, like, 17 strikeout affairs. It's guys... Pitchers having guys pop up or grounded to easy outs. Yeah. I mean, I threw a one, I threw a two hit shot on, in the show last night. What I do forced a lot of pop outs and ground outs. My guy only throws 91. Yeah. It's, there's not a lot. It, yeah. There are some where guys throwing 20 strikeouts, but it doesn't happen often. Yeah. His name's Randy Johnson or, you know, Nolan or, uh, you know, Carrie Wood, you know, guys who actually just threw two absolute feet off the mound. Yeah. Roger Clemens is. I think a couple 20 strikeout games. Yeah, but I don't think Roger ever threw a no-hitter, though. Did he really? He made, That's I, crazy. Wait, didn't he throw one in Toronto? No, Clemens definitely threw one. I feel like he did with the Yankees. Pedro threw one. Rock, no, Rocket didn't throw one. With he the, never threw a no-hitter. Wow. I know Nolan Ryan never threw one. He Are, didn't? Like, when you talk about, like, the top five best pitchers of all time, like, Pedro and Johnson, I think the only ones actually throw one. Um, speaking of baseball, I'd like to get something off my chest once again, if that's okay. Okay, in turn, speak your piece. Mm. <clears throat> so last night the Yankees played the uh, the Orioles. Um, and we were down 4-1. The bases were loaded. Gio Oshella hits a single, one run scores, another run scores. Aaron Judge makes a horrible decision to try to get from third to first, and he gets thrown out very easily. 
uh, artist-based running decision planet. Yeah. However, uh, essentially the uh, officials were like, we have to look at it um, for purposes of did Diesel M. Hayhew touch home plate before Aaron Judge was tagged out? Oh, no. And it was an absurdly close call, and I think he made it. It it was, I mean, with all the camera angles, it's extremely hard to tell. Off the like, off the play on, or the whatever ruling on the field, I think they re- initially ruled him safe, and then they were like, no, he's out. Aaron Boone's in the dugout trying to figure out if they should, uh, uh, you know, challenge it or not. He turns around to challenge it, going, "I want to review it. I want to review it." The the official turn the umpire goes uh, no you're out of time that's it I don't care but we're moving on and then he and of course Aaron Boone is pissed comes out dugout bullshit this is bullshit screaming at him all sorts of obscenities and it's just like what come on guys really just let him challenge the play like he, he didn't he didn't even look at Boone to like ask if he wanted to challenge it then when Boone turned around he was like you're done also though Aaron Boone came out of that looking like the softest guy in all oh of my baseball. god they're Bullying he was like, this was bullying. I mean, come Dude, on. That was shut dumb. Shut up. Your play- gang paid millions of dollars, not even to play, to coach a team. Yeah, that was so stupid. Like, coach I, the I, most I, individualized sport on the planet. Individualized team sport. Yeah. And it's I like, forget this. Oh, sorry. This is unrelated to that. So, Samir, you can finish. This is just my <laughs> last. It's just like... uh. Aaron Boone has, like, uh, a knack for, of, like, getting the team pumped up by being, like, pissed off at the umps. And it's like, you can – you have an absolute right to get pissed off at the umps and, like, get a little fire under your team's ass. But then to go after the game and be like, I feel bullied, which is like, what? What do you do? Like, you came out of the dugout screaming F you, F you at the, at the umpire over and over. It's like, who's getting bullied, man? You were the one screaming obscenities at this poor guy, although he boned us. It's like – it, it it was just a weird situation all around. Yeah. I just baseball umpiring to me just drives me nuts. <laughs> the perfect games list though is hysterical. Oh, yeah. I know. There's like three Hall of Famers on it, right? Yeah, there's some who you could argue had very good careers and not should be Hall of Famers, but should be in the Hall of very good. Like Kenny Rogers pitched for. Almost 20 years, four All-Stars, World Series champion, five-time Gold Glove winner. And then you have Dallas Braden, who pitched yeah. four years, <laughs> got a 26 and 36 record with a 4-1-6 ERA, 305 strikeouts, which isn't terrible. Not great, but considering the pitcher he was, it's I expected worse. But also just threw, happened to throw a perfect game. Uh, and like yelling at A-Rod and everything else, right? Yeah, um, I'm just kind of looking at the list, see if there's anyone else hysterical. Uh, we were talking about, we were re-remembering uh, Matt Cain and how he uh, threw one and then dipped. He was like, I'm going to be the <laughs> best pitcher ever. Like, Matt Cain is like this, in the bushes. He's just out. Yeah, he's, yeah. Oh my god. I'm just going to do this. David Cohn threw an 88 pitch, no, or a perfect game. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It was, like, the craziest no-hit. Like, he had, like, what, like, a, a ton of, like, ground outs and stuff? Yeah, but he also threw 10 strikeouts, which is pretty good. That's a really good yeah. efficiency rating. Dennis Martinez, a five-strikeout perfect game. <laughs> what Who's the most uh, strikeouts? Addy Josh for Cleveland 
1908, three strikeout, 74 pitch, perfect game. Wow. The I most strikeouts in a perfect game is uh, Matt Kane with 14 and Koufax also with 14. Yeah. I think Randy only had nine in his or 10 maybe. Randy had, I believe, 13. Okay, yeah, he came close. Randy's I, perfect game was when I was, oh, I was so young. I was, I was oh, 04, man. I was like a fucking nine-year-old. <clears throat> uh, by the way, shout-out to Mark Burley, who also threw a perfect game. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but he was baseball speedrunner, and the average time of a game that Mark Burley pitched was about 30 minutes less than uh, any other MLB game during the span he played. And his perfect game... His his perfect game uh, clocked in at two hours and three minutes. Yeah, Mark Burley's games were always fun to watch. He he was one of those guys. Like there's always, there's always a pitcher. Like, every couple of years, there's always that pitcher who literally speed runs his his everything from his wind up to his pitches. I love watching games like that because I'm out of there in two hours. Yeah. <laughs> like I remember one time I was I was a kid and he was playing with the White Sox. I was watching because uh, I, I used to watch the Yankees. And, like my second team is I loved baseball. I loved A Rod. So I was like. We're watching. And it's like Burley's in the mouth. I'm like, all right, we're going to be out of here in two and a half hours. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Nolan Ryan threw seven no-hitters. That's incredible. Jesus. <laughs> uh, also, my favorite stat, though, about uh, Perfect Game is Catfish Hunter threw a perfect game while also going three for four at the plate that day with a double and three RBIs. Now, that's Catfish a goddamn Hunter game right like, there. Like the most redneck pitcher of all time, and it was just a beast. <laughs> he was 22 at the time, also. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Oh. You gotta love baseball. You just get these random, random ass guys with the weirdest names who look absolutely goofy, but there's Rob this Peter. one amazing sport that they can just kick ass in, and it's a bunch of them. <laughs> a baseball might have some of the coolest names. Oh, absolutely. Catfish Hunter, Oil Can Boyd. Oh, Rolly Fingers? Raleigh Fingers. Raleigh Fingers. Still. <laughs> just the fact that we have a, a, a award named Cy Young is just, like, fantastic. Let's keep it going. <clears throat> All right. Boys, ready to talk some draft prospects? Absolutely. <clears throat> yes. All right, well... This is going to be a lot faster in offense because once you get past, like, safety three and edge rusher six, like, the names are kind of blurring a little bit. <clears throat> so we'll start off with edge rushers here. CBS Sports' list is hysterical. So, Kevin, I'll let you take lead on this. Who are your top five edge rushers and who's your sleeper that people are direly sleeping on right now? Uh, I, I do honestly think, and I hate saying this, I think Jalen Phillips is the best edge rusher in this class. He's got size. He's not oversized, so he's still going to be fast. He's still athletic enough to get after the quarterback. I think he's going to be phenomenal. And then Quiddy Pay. Uh, a lot of people have him as number one. Oh, I, I don't s- necessarily see it. His his rush seems sloppy. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be the kind of thing. He's just athletic, so they like him and think they can mold him a bit. So is Vic Beasley. That's true. Well, I'm not saying they're right. I'm saying they can do it. Yeah. Uh, then three, I probably have Joseph Osai out of Texas. Wow. Okay. Wow. Or I guess Aziz Ojolari. I didn't see a lot out of him that I loved. He just and, seems like he's there. Yeah. 
he had a good he had a good pro day. So I was like, oh my god, this guy's gonna be a great player now. Yeah, and then I guess just by process of elimination, I guess Jason away at a Penn State. I mean, another guy. Uh, yeah, another guy. He's not undersized, but he's so he's reasonably athletic and get after the quarterback. Yeah. And then I guess Ronnie Perkins would probably be my sleeper. He actually played pretty well for Oklahoma. Yeah. I like Ronnie Perkins a lot, too. Um, for me, number one is, of course, Phillips. I, I'm banging the drum for this guy forever. I, his motor is just off the charts. He just doesn't stop. And he, he the 4-6-40, and he's just his pro day. He's lean. He's fast. Six, I mean, 6-5, 266. Dude's got a chip on his shoulder. Rushes the quarterback so damn hard. And he's, he's versatile enough where he can play as just a straight edge rusher. Or, and he can stop the run as well. I love his game. Two is Quiddy Pay. Kev hit it around the nose. He's athletic. That's why they put him that high. Um, I have Osat Oasi at three at three as well. I, I just I don't see what people see in Aziz Ojari Ojalari. I just he looks okay, but it's like it's the same thing that people are like. There's only that one bust edge rusher every year, and I think he this is that guy. Uh, just, nothing on tape like stands out to me. <clears throat> um, then as my number f- five, right? I got uh, I got Bash Carl's Basham Jr. at a Wake Forest. Dude, just big. And my sleeper, every that is dropping down draft boards like a lead balloon. Yeah, this man has first round talent. Every guy's a projected top five pick six months ago. It's Greg Rousseau. <clears throat> I watched a man single-handedly blow a game up two years ago, sleeping. <clears throat> like this dude literally can walk into a ball game blow, as a freshman. Guy had the same amount of sacks as Chase Young did the year Chase Young blew up. I, I'm telling you right now, this kid's a freak. Whoever gets him late first or early second is going to get a steal. So Greg Rousseau is my sleeper that everyone is direly sleeping on. Dude put on weight. That's why. Came in at um six seven two sixty five. He was in the two forties. When he uh when he was playing at Miami 250, so he definitely put on some weight. That's why the slower 40 time, but he'll be ready to go by game day, no question there. But also after sitting out, that's the biggest concern. Yeah, I mean he may it may take him a minute to get ready, but honestly, I think honestly he's still he has the potential to be the best guy in this class if he just is as good as he was his freshman year. Sitting out hurt his draft stock so badly though. Kev, your own point about that. Uh, defensive tackles, interior line, defensive interior line. Let's rock and roll here. All right. At number one, it's Barrymore. The guy's a monster. <laughs> Six, five, three, ten. Got yeah, Quinn Williams, just speedy boy build. Like just any, any defensive tackle coming out of uh, Oklahoma, out of uh, Alabama is going to be a monster. Can we just like establish that? Um, I guess how you pronounce his name? Anu was a worky. Just call him Levi. Levi. Call him Levi. Levi out of Washington. I watched three plays of him. Looked like he's strong as hell. 6'3", 288. A little on the undersize for D tackle. Probably be a good 4'3". Uh, uh, interior guy or a 3'4". Uh, edge guy. I mean, uh, like a J.J. Watt kind of style end. But um, Davion Nixon. I actually did see this dude play. He's a big boy and he moves, so I like his I like his pass for style. Well, good interior guy. Uh, I guess Peyton Turner out of Houston. I just went straight in order. I actually agree with CBS for once, which is terrifying. But um, I don't really trust Houston D line that much. But I think this guy actually played really well on the defense. So 
Who's your sleeper, though? I love the kid. I I don't want to take your boy out of pit because, like, you were talking up this guy before, uh, Jalen Twyman, but I I watched him blow up, like, four Miami runs this year. Um, I also like Tommy Tojulai out of uh, Ohio State. I'm kind of split between the two of them. Marvin Wilson also... God, it's all ACC guys I'm, like, picking here. But uh, I like Marvel Wilson's game as well because, honestly, he was the only reason that, that defense wasn't getting shredded on the, on the ground. Okay. Uh, for mine, number one, it's Christian Barmore. Uh, he started off the season relatively slow but really picked it up as the season went on, Sorry. especially against better lines. Uh, did very well against Notre Dame. Did well against Ohio State. Uh He's just a monster, and he's going to be at the next level. Ali McNeil out of NC State, PFF actually had him as their highest-rated run defense in the country. So, and I think that's kind of what you want out of a lot of teams is, like, your basic D-tackle. You want guys to stop the run. That's what he can do. That's what he'll do for you. He's 320. He will eat people up. Uh Milton, I agree with uh, PFFs more than CBS's, so I'm kind of just going through that. Uh, Milton Williams at Louisiana Tech, he's 6'4", 278, but ran a 4'6", 38.5-inch vertical. He's pretty damn good, 90.8 overall grade on PFF. He's athletic. He can do a lot for a team. He's going to be really good. Uh, he's probably going to be a later pick just because he comes out of Louisiana Tech and no one cares about Louisiana Tech. Yeah. Uh, and then I actually might have Tommy Togiai as my four. He's really good, played on a really good Ohio State team. Don't let the national championship ignore, like, make you forget that. Uh, it's not his fault that Sean Wade can't cover. Uh, he played well during the season, but didn't play a lot, so that's why I have him at four. And then Levi Onwazurik, that's how I'm going to pronounce that, opted out in 2020. Uh didn't look great at the senior bowl so that's why i have him at five but washington weirdly washington oregon have really good big guys come out of there so yeah. i'm excited to see what he can do and then yeah jalen twyman i've been pounding this dude's drum for a while now slightly undersized but put up 40 reps on the bench he's a monster he's gonna do phenomenally Alrighty, <clears throat> let's do linebackers i'm excited for linebackers this is gonna be good this is a good class all right, Kev, you ready to rock and roll, take lead? Sure. I, Jerry, you're not going to like this, but strictly as a linebacker, I'm taking Micah Parsons. I'm not knocking you for it. As one, he's big, he's strong, he's physical. He can do. A, he can't do a lot, but what he can do, he can do very well for a team. Uh, and then Jeremiah Awusu Karamoa. I strictly have him falling a little bit because of his size, but he can do a lot. He can do more than Micah Parsons can. So you can move him to safety if you want. You can have him covering a tight end. He can do a lot. So I I think he might be better than Micah Parsons overall, but strictly as a linebacker, I think Micah Parsons will have the early edge. Three, I have Zayvon Collins out of Tulsa. I love big linebackers. 6'5", 260. But he it he doesn't play slow. He's a good linebacker. Ninety three coverage grade. Holy shit. Yeah. No, For he's sixty. Holy yeah. 
He's good. If he played in if there was um if they weren't doing mostly just conference schedules and I saw him against more power five stuff last year, I might have had him high. I might if he's there, I take him. But I don't know. I'm curious to see how he does with that size and NFL speed. Uh, Nick Bolton at four. He can do a lot. He can stop on the ru- stop the run, cover. He's 11 pass breakups, two picks over the last two years. That's really good for a linebacker in college. And then I don't really know about five. I might just go agree with PFF. Jamin Davis. Uh, I don't love Kentucky players, honestly, but 87.5 run defense grade, four fours in his pro day, uh, highest vert ever recorded by an off-ball linebacker, 42 inches. So uh, he has the athletic tools to do whatever you need him to do. He's going to be a good player, I guess. My sleeper, though, I want to see... He had a down year the last couple of years because of injuries, because Scott Cochran's a horrible strength and conditioning coach. Dylan Moses, the injury slowed him down. I do want to see what he can do fully healthy with an NFL schedule. Fair enough. All right. Um, for me, I have, as Kevin alluded to, I do have the Joe. I, I was going to take the Joker. I'm only putting Parsons. I half a take higher because Joker is basically the size of an NFL safety. If he was he puts on a little weight, he beats out Parsons on my board. He might have the better career. Um, he's two twenty one right now as official weigh-in. So just Parsons is a monster. Um, number three for me is is Zayvon Collins as well. I mean that that pass coverage grade two sixty is just fucking stupid. Whoever can he's going to be this year's like steel linebacker in my opinion. Um. Number four for me is actually, I'm going off ball a bit, Chaz Surratt out of North Carolina. I I was going to ask you uh, what you thought about him. I love this dude's save. I watched him. He is so quick, and his instincts are incredible in coverage because he's a former quarterback. 56 56 stops in his first season as a starter. Um, It's just he just plays so quickly, and it's just everything's cerebral with him. He's going to make – he's going to be a great – kind of a, a defensive single collar, kind of just field general type of guy. So it's perfect. And last but not least is um, uh, Bolton out of uh, Missouri. My um, my sleeper, though, is um, Mr. Bill Cox. Dude, incredible coverage linebacker. I think his running thing scares me. And another guy I'm really surprised has fallen so far, Baron Browning was like one of the ideal linebacker candidates two years ago. Now he's like ranked in ninth. So it's crazy, but we'll see what happens uh, for next uh, year. Uh, all right. Next up, we have corners. This is where it's going to get fun. All right, so. <sighs> Leading off, I have J.C. Horn. I wow. love this dude's physicality. I love his ball skills. And I love that Patrick Sertan is ranked higher than him. Because there's a better chance of him going to my Eagles over the Cowboys. Um, press coverage. Very just instinctive. The t- the thing I hear is Aqib Tlaib with speed. And it makes me so happy that that's his pro comp. 
a lot of swagger here from that Dallas Cowboys interview where he bashed Sertan. Love his dude's tape. Number two, Patrick Sertan, as much as I shit on his ball skills, he does everything else right. Kevin said it best, I think it was two weeks ago, or let me, it was either last week during our um, our mock draft or two weeks ago. Sertan does everything right on the board. The one thing he misses is he misses on the man-to-man. It's just, it's just stuff when the ball's in the air. Everything else, lock him down. He's going to get a lot of pass interference calls. Um, number three to me, I, I still think it's Caleb Farley over Greg Newsom. To me, Farley's just a little bit better, a little longer, played better competition, at least in some of the games he played. The back thing scares me, though. Um, three is Newsom, once again, does everything right. He's a he's a, just like the ideal, ideal corner. Number five to me is Asante Samuel Jr. Um, undersized, obviously, but then again, could be a really good nickel guy, but his dad was undersized. I wish his 40 was a little quicker, but great ball skills, good coverage, no issues there. My sleeper is um, Eric Stokes out of Georgia. Holy God, that boy's fast. And I mean, if you're fast as a corner and you have okay man coverage skills, you can survive in the NFL because your recovery speed will bail you out so many times, especially if a quarterback's going to hang a ball. So that's my uh, cornerback list, Kevin. So, number one, I have been his biggest detractor all year. Uh, It's Patrick Sertan. He's played 662 press coverage snaps over the past two years. He's gotten better every year as well. So, that shows he might improve his ball skills. It's not out of the realm of possibility. He's strong. He's fast. And I do complain that he gets mossed a lot and he gets a lot of PIs. He had Four PIs, I think, last year. I think it was four last year. Uh, but that's less than number two on my list. J.C. Horn is another guy out of the SEC who's going to be great, only allowing eight catches on 24 targets. He got flagged five times for PI. And mm-hmm. it's 15 yards in college. That could end up being uh, so five, 15, 75 times, 75 yards. That could end up being 200 yards. That's not something you want to see in the NFL. Uh, he'd have to he has to work on that, mm-hmm. and that's my biggest concern with him if he's going to be too manhandly up front. Uh, I'd go Greg Newsom at three, honestly. Uh, 12 catches, 34 targets last year. Uh, it'd be, because of the short season, though, it wasn't a lot. Only played 223 coverage snaps. But he's fast. He's good. He can cover people. So, and that's what you want. Uh, Caleb Farley is the guy that I really hope my team doesn't get. I don't know what he's going to end up being. Is he going to be an elite cornerback coming out? Is he going to show off that makeup speed ability? Or is he going to be injured the entire time? We do not know. He's had, uh, he's had so many surgeries. Uh, I'm just trying to see how many he's had. Because he had an ACL injury. Uh, I think I read he had a vertebrae injury. Yeah, he had to go to a back specialist. So, oh, herniated L5 disc and S1 bulge. After lifting weights, he played the season, but then had to get surgery. So those injury concerns are why I don't have him pushing for 
one or two. It's just I don't trust this kid's injuries. And five, uh, Asante Samuel Jr. I hate Asante Samuel, but it, the pedigree's there. Slightly undersized, but he's doesn't allow a lot of catches. It, he doesn't really get super out-muscled. So the injury's not a concern to me if you can play at the level you have to. And that's something he can do. His, he's, I think he's going to be an elite nickel corner. That's why I think he's going to be. He's going to be an elite level nickel guy. Like he's he's a little undersized, but the four four speed, physical. He can definitely play inside. He could definitely be like that, like interior guy, like a, almost like a Desmond King kind of, where they're just like they're like elite at where they play on the field. Yeah, I and then for my sleeper, I would take Eric Stokes too. I mean, low four threes, does four picks, only 145 yards given up this past year. But I'm gonna take. Ifiatu Melifonwu, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right, strictly for what he can do. He's 6'2", 205, 41.5-inch vertical, 11-2 broad jump. Not super good in coverage, but if you can get him later, he you could mold this guy just strictly on his physical ability and size into a great corner. So kind of like a Byron Jones type where he's just like a freak athlete. Freak athlete, figure out the rest later. Fair enough. Value pick there. All right, ready for safeties? Yes. Am I going first this time? Yeah, you are. I oh I don't Trevin Morig. I don't love uh, Big Twelve defensive players. Honestly, I just don't trust them. But six two two o two, that's pretty good size for the safety position. It's not unbelievable, unheard of, but he's good. He's physical. Uh, led the FBS in pass breakups for safeties. He's He'll be good. Uh, I'm not sure how good. I'm not sure if he's going to be a plug-and-play day one, if you're going to have to work on him a bit, because it is that Big 12 defense. Uh, watch a lot of... Uh, you know what? Fuck it. Jamar Johnson out of Indiana is my two. This dude's just climbing up my draft boards. He has great instincts. Picked off seven passes, broken up six on 406 pass coverages over his career. I can't really tackle, though. That's a concern for me, but everything else stands out. This guy will be good if you can kind of get him to tackle a little better. And that's something NFL teams have to work on all the time. Uh, our friend Walter's biggest complaint about college football is it's all arm tackles. So hopefully he can improve that. And then three, I'd probably go Elijah Molden, Washington. 90.9 coverage grade, according to PFF in 2019, 86.2 this past season. Uh, the dip's slightly concerning, but he's not, it, it's not too much of a concern for me just because there's, there's so much going on this year. Uh, physical tackler, but he can't really play in the box just with his size. Uh, for Richie Grant, you just can't teach experience, 2,658 snaps. Played all over the field. 90 grade in run support, which uh, I like physical safeties who will get down in the box, get down and dirty. Uh, I don't really know. I'm kind of just trying to refresh myself because I don't pay attention because there's no Alabama safeties or a lot of really good SEC safeties this year. I mean, I got to watch uh, Dana and Johnson a little bit. That's about it, though. I saw like one Morig play once. 
Uh, let's just let's go to Darius Washington, another TCU safety. I he's not even 180, so that's a concern. But he can play bigger than he is, and I love seeing that. Guys, it shows they got a dog in them. I uh, 91.3 coverage grade, 15 catches on 35 targets. Uh, partner him with a bruiser of a safety and have him roam out there while you have like a guy like Jamal Adams in the box. It'd be perfect. True. Uh, for me, I have Elijah Molden at one. I just, I love his coverage ability. I, I love, <laughs> I love, he may be a little undersized, but he's very physical. I mean, you can't ignore 90.9 coverage grade, man. It's just too good. I, and also, I watched him live. He looks like a pro safety when he plays. Trayvon Morig is is my number two. Yeah, I get it. He's 6'2", 202. Pass breakups, yeah. But then again, he's the reason he led the leaving pass breakups is because the, it's the Big 12. They sling the rock around like it's, it's their job because it is. There's no running in the Big 12. Um, Jamar Johnson is a very close three. Um... Kevin said it best. He's just something different. Very good um, in in coverage. He's deep. He's got a very uh, I mean four four oh six for coverage snaps. Nine things you can stick at. Um, seven picks as well. Broken up six. It's just his stats for pass protect pass coverage are great. Um, I gotta throw some love to Richie Grant, man. Like I, I think he honestly. Played, he played over almost 3,000 snaps of safety, 90 coverage grade, ranked 49 on the big board. I mean, that's really high for a safety. I think he's not – yes, he played for UCF, but it, it, they always produce a couple of good defensive backs. And last, I got I got Javon, Hall, Javon Holland out of Oregon. All of his numbers for his grades are great. 20 combined picks, pass breakups. It's, it, it's to the fifth safety in the draft. At this point, if you're getting him at fifth, he's ranked 50th in the whole damn uh, – in the whole damn like PFF big board, it's not bad. Uh, and uh, Andre Cisco was my sleeper. Um, just he just makes plays, picks breakups, and it's, everything about his game is fun. The ACL scares me, but other than that, I mean, honestly, he's a late round pick. He's not terrible. This is a very good safety class, by the way. Yeah, I didn't get a sleeper for my safeties. I am so sorry I cut you off. Who's your sleeper? I just said I didn't see a lot of great safety play, but Tyrese Gillespie, 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 Gillespie out of Mizzou, uh, he's six foot two ten, but he can play deep. He's not a great guy in coverage, but he'll come down and punish a ball carrier. And again, like those are two things I want. I either want you to cover guys or to be able to lay the boomstick. And Tyree Gillespie, Gillespie, Jesus, I can't talk today, can do that, and I think he's going to be really good. Just some big hits, and I cannot wait to see that. We need more big hitters back in football again. Samir, any thoughts on our defensive rankings? I, uh, I didn't. Nothing stood out to me that I completely disagree with, but I do have a question that I'd like to pose to you, gentlemen. Uh, if you were to get one of uh, these men in your top five uh, on on one of your respective teams, who would it be, and why? So like top five, our top five defensive players. Um, so uh, no, out of these, out of all these guys you ranked, uh, we know uh, the Patriots, 
uh, Patriots pick is still a little bit up in the air. Uh, the Eagles probably taking a weapon. So let's go, uh, Jared, uh, in the second round, uh, based on the guys that you have around. Back up, or late first if we trade back up. Sure. Yeah. Um, the problem was there because I have a weird feeling that we're taking a corner. And then we're going receiver second, like end of first, early second, which just scares me a little bit. But if if we're going to take defense, if I'm taking one player that we talked about, I want defense. I want JC Horn, or um, for a value pick, I want to see if like we can maybe swing Rousseau at the end of the second round, because he's going to be there. Because the way he's falling in the draft rankings is hysterical. I'm sorry, buddy. Um, basically like. I, the the it's I would love to get like a, a a Collins or one of the other linebackers or maybe um uh, the kit or uh Browning or Warner at Ohio State like later in the round but like there's a lot of good defensive value in this draft it's actually really impressive agreed and Kevin uh if the if the Patch took a defensive player at 16 who would you want it to be well first off they're at 15 ah uh, okay second off they're not going to they're taking offense I don't know if it's going to be receiver yeah. or quarterback but if they take a defensive player in the draft, I want it to be Jamar Johnson, replace Devin McCourty because he's getting up there in the coverage, or yeah, in the coverage, have him and Kyle Duggar kind of develop together. Or if we trade back, which we still might do, which infuriates me, and get a defense player, I wouldn't mind Zayvon Collins. That that coverage is great. At 260 pounds is incredible. Good to go with Dante Hightower too. Not true. Dante Hightower slowing down too. Three four system you guys run, yeah, it'd be perfect. All right. Uh, well, ladies and gents, that wraps it up for our pre-draft coverage. Of the NFL draft. If you guys missed our mock draft, is of course on our Twitter as well. Kevin went wild card, like in true corner booth fashion, like our our season five preview video. Kevin went full wild card. The entire show, uh, draft it was fun. Thank you all who watched it. Um, I, of course, will be going on our boy MD's Fantasy for our live draft coverage. I will be covering picks 10 through 15, so Eagles Patriots, ironically. And um, I also may be making an appearance on Craft Brew Sports tomorrow for our little draft coverage for them. So should be fun. Uh, enjoy the draft. We'll be here Thursday for a pre-show, the three of us here. And, yeah, that's about it. Thank you for stopping by. For Jared, Ghost, Kevin, and Samir, we'll uh, catch you guys Thursday. Peace. Bye. Hey guys, Jared. Thanks for checking out the Corner Booth Pod. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Corner Booth Pod. This podcast is brought to you by the Belly Up Podcast Network.